Hello and welcome to Parenting Grit Podcast, faith-filled real talk about family life, the ups, the downs and everything in the middle. We have Genevieve and Derek here, that's us. Hey babe. Hey, how are you going? Welcome, uh, good to be back. It is good to be back. So in this episode, we're going to be untangling the toddler and teen years. Sounds like a good topic to me. I hope so. We um, posted or reposted actually a list on our Parenting Group Facebook page that was entitled 10 Truths About Toddlers or Teens. And it was a repost from a lady called Brittany Meng who writes a motherhood blog called The Bam Blog. And it received quite a lot of engagement. So we thought we would share the list with you and some thoughts around how to untangle the toddler and teen years. So the list says this, it's 10 truths about toddlers or teens. And it's an amusing list. It starts with the hangry is real, feed them for mood improvement. Point two says they grow out of their wardrobe and shoes every three months. Three, their moods are unpredictable and sometimes scary. Four, They do not want your help. Point five, communication is a guessing game. Six, big emotions, full stop. Point seven, regular bathing is a must. Point eight, they need lots of sleep and resist going to bed. Point nine, why is their favourite question. And point ten, they can be fickle with affection, but their hugs melt your heart. It's an interesting list in the fact that you would have once thought that that only applied to toddlers when we had toddlers. Yes. But that list uh, is even more relevant now that we've got teens. Yes, and we've raised three children through the toddler years and we still have two out of the three in their teens and our daughter has grown through the teen years to adulthood quite safely. And so we have, we've seen how applicable these ideas are, not just to toddlers but to the teens as well. And I guess... The broad brush straight there is that there's a commonality between teens and toddlers because they're great times of transition, development, hormonal growth and change, developing a greater understanding of the world around them and their place in it. And all of that is really tiring. It's quite exhausting, not just for the kids, but for us as parents as well. Both toddlers and teens are learning a lot of things. 90% of brain development happens before the age of five. And then, as we've discovered, haven't we, Hun, uh, the brain pretty much goes through a process of shutdown for reconstruction, almost like this web page is not currently available, especially in teenage boys, during the teen years. And so both toddlers and teens actually really need a level of consistency Uh, in their world that we as parents can bring. So we've got two thoughts about how to untangle some of these things that are being represented on this list. And the first thought we're going to explore in this episode is around routines. And the second one is about communication, which we're going to cover next month. So when we were expecting our baby, our first baby, we decided we would do some parenting reading and some parenting courses And one of the things that we're really encouraged to do with baby was to develop a feed-wake-sleep routine. 
And that certainly helped us to uh, save our sanity, I think, didn't it, honey? Absolutely. Yeah, so it wasn't always easy to develop the routine, but it was worthwhile. It meant that we knew pretty much when we were going to be feeding our children how much wake time was going to be um, available at different ages and stages and that sleep would be a consistent part of their world. Not always an easy part. We still had our share of sleepless nights and screaming babies, but it, it made them growing into good sleepers an easier thing. It provided us with a game plan, yeah. um, something that we could work to and be flexible in at the same time. Yeah. So we thought we'd discuss some ideas around the feeding, waking and sleeping of teens and toddlers. And the first point on that list is around feeding. It said, the hangry is real, feed them for mood improvement. So in case you don't know, hangry is angry, hungry. So babe, you had a bit of an experience of that when we had toddlers. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So when our um, children were in the toddler years, There'd be often times when Genevieve would be out of the house and I'd be in charge of uh, our children as they were going about their day. And particularly with our boys, um, there'd come this point where I pretty much ran out of ideas of what to do with them because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't read the mood and I couldn't understand why they were behaving in the way that they would. And they were. And it would drive me to frustration and they would just continue getting worse and worse and sort of um, displaying behaviours that we weren't that... Um, proud of and I get to the point where I go well I don't know what to do now so I'll just ring Genevieve and <laughs> see if I can get some you know phone a friend phone your wife and get some uh, advice and every time it never ceased to amaze me that the first thing that Genevieve would say to me is well have you fed them yeah and I go ah no it's 11 o'clock and they haven't eaten since seven thirty when they had breakfast and unbelievably you Serve up some food. Insert food. <laughs> Insert food here and Improved the mood, mood. The mood in 20 minutes time was vastly different. Yeah. And so toddlers, you know, really do need a really consistent uh, approach to food in their world. And they also need to grow into eating a variety of healthy foods. But as any of us who've raised toddlers know, that can become a massive battleground and we found sometimes our children would love a certain food one week and then the next week they wouldn't want a bar of it. So it's it really is a time of exploration and frustration for mums and dads as they're trying to provide this, this healthy, consistent food for toddlers. But we found that there are a few things uh, that helped in that space and that was having a night off each week where we just went with favourite foods, easy meals, and we'd feed the kids early so that we as adults could eat separately. So we tried even with our toddlers to include them in our family meals because we found that that was a value that we held to be important. But we had a night where we would allow the kids, particularly when they were young, to eat nice and early and we would pack them off to bed and enjoy our own food later on. And that night was always whatever was their current favourite food. We made it easy for ourselves. So I think sometimes as parents we have a big picture of wanting to get our toddlers to eat healthy foods, which of course is great, but, you know, we don't want it to make it the hill to die on either. So providing healthy, consistent food during the week maybe and then giving yourself maybe Friday or Saturday night off where you're not going to make that the rule, you're going to make it the exception, but where you make food a bit more fun on those other nights. 
and that worked for us. It did. The other thing too is um, something that really worked for us was you get to a point where you understand your children when you understand this concept of the hangry is real Mm. and it enables you as parents to plan ahead. Yes. And have something in the fridge, in the pantry that's ready to roll straight away so that it's not turning into complete chaos um, as you are preparing dinner and you have the opportunity to set your children up to succeed by giving them something to eat while you're doing what you're doing and it might not be dinner time yet but you can you can almost work to a time clock particularly with boys we felt that they would work to a time clock and so plan ahead parents and and be ready for that. Yeah, I remember shopping with my mum once and she only had daughters and our daughter had a great appetite and, you know, perhaps this is a bit, you know, generalising, but our first son in particular was a big eater and he enjoyed eating frequently, particularly as a toddler. And I remember we went to the shops one day and my mum commented, all you've done all day is feed that boy. And I was like, yes, this is how we keep him happy so that we can get through the shopping in a happy and efficient manner. So, yeah, planning ahead, packing snacks, having them ready to go at the right times and making sure meals are consistent helped us along the way. Now, teens aren't that different when it comes to food. I think the things that are a bit different is that it's like having locusts in the house. You can do a very big shop and, in fact, you do perhaps have to up the family food budget when you've got teenagers in your world. And you can have a full trolley's worth, come home, and two days later it seems to have gone. So buying in bulk, finding ways to um, provide the family with a lot of food and healthy food that can be consumed without being ultra expensive was one of the first things that we noticed we had to change when we had teenagers. Yes, that's a very good point. And quite often we'll have some not so healthy food that's just around, but it, it fills people up when they get home from school. You know, the the, the pack of 24 donuts is, is a common, <laughs> common yep. scene in our house. Sits on the bench and it's pretty much... A free-for-all. If you feel hungry and you feel like a donut, then you can have one. And it's just the cinnamon donuts. It's not the ones covered with cream and all, mm. the, other, all the other stuff. They're for more, uh, more naughty moments. Um, <laughs> but we often have that sort of thing around the house or, or other. Uh, Milo was an, is another big yeah. one that we have in our home. So yeah. there's little t- tricks that you, your kids get to like. They, you know they like them and it helps them get through their afternoon hang, hunger and hangry moments. Uh, as teens after they've come home from school particularly. Yeah, and across the week, you know, we're look, if you look at the, you know what our kids are eating, it's lots of healthy salads and vegetables and, you know, well-cooked meals. So the odd cinnamon donut or Milo when they are a little bit hangry is an easy thing to have and not a terrible thing across the whole scope of what they're eating. We like to encourage our kids to eat around a table And we found that um, with teenagers that that becomes a bit more difficult because they want to watch television or they've got study on. But actually pausing and stopping and bringing the meal around a table is a great family time and and food's a good way to draw everybody out of their rooms, away from their study. It's a good time out. So we've found that with more adult and older teen children that food has actually brought the family together, hasn't it? That's right. The other thing too is um, as we've been preparing an evening meal, it's a good and we're going to be sitting around the table. 
quite often our kids will come in and they'll open the fridge or they'll start raiding the pantry looking for something to eat right there and then when dinner is literally not even 10 minutes away <laughs> in some instances. So it's not to forget that there's the opportunity to teach your children about having a little bit of patience yeah. and waiting for the family meal, for the dinner, dinner time to start. And setting a table sort of signifies and represents what that is going to be for the family. And we felt that was a really important part of our family culture about sitting around a table mm-hmm. and the expectation that we sit there and we don't binge eat on other stuff prior to dinner. We wait until dinner and then we go from there. Yeah, and, you know, teaching can happen around food. For toddlers, it's about manners and things like that. And for teens, we um, definitely found that teaching around food um, when it came to stewardship of pocket money, for example, you know, our kids have pocket money and they also, um, all three of them, you know, have employment now. And just to not waste money on lollies or canteen food but to encourage them to eat healthily at home so it was a good teaching point over money and food tied together for us that worked quite well so a couple of thoughts there around food so let's talk wake time what happens with our kids when they are awake so toddlers their world is expanding often toddlers um, worlds really expand at this time perhaps they're going to daycare or they're being babysat more often by family members or close friends and so there's a wider range of people looking after them than when they are newborn babies but consistent time at home and even a routine amidst things like daycare or being looked after is really important for toddlers their world is their home basically so when that's interrupted it's quite tiring for toddlers and so Having a think about how many outside of the home activities across the week happen for toddlers is really important. I remember when I was reading a book about toddlers when Lauren was really young, I couldn't believe how firmly focused it was on routine and and structure and the importance of it. I thought, oh my gosh, this is a bit crazy. But actually, as I implemented some of this, looked at the week and made sure that her time wasn't always out or always rushed, that it had structure and a lot of time at home where she could explore and learn and and that sort of thing at home, it actually was our saviour and it helped limit how many sort of two-year-old tantrums we had and the levels of frustration that arose because it just limited that tiredness. So we were quite intentional in choosing carefully how we spent our time with our kids when they were awake, when they were toddlers, because they do get distressed, they do get anxious and overwrought, they do get overtired. And if you're trying to have an overtired toddler with you at the shops or when you're trying to achieve something, it's almost impossible. But if you structure your world in a way that, you know, okay, we're going to the shops, but they're awake, they're happy, they're well fed, then it's going to be a little bit easier for you. Absolutely. I think um, for us it was, you know, if you think about it in the context of being an adult, we self-manage ourselves in a weekly basis with our own routines, going to work, coming home from work, when we go to bed. And it's just natural for us. We've grown, we're we're mature adults and we know how to manage that. Well, our kids don't. And so it's our responsibility to help them manage that. And if we are aware of that and we program a week appropriately, then you can certainly um, have a much less grumpy toddler. 
Yes, and we found a couple of things worked when things were getting a little bit uh, stressed with toddlers. The outdoors and distraction outside, getting kids outside, changing scenery, uh, adding water, popping them in the bath, going for a swim, water play outside. Always just brightened some moods and brought some, some difference into their world. But toddlers really do find comfort in routines. They do indeed. And what we have found is that teens aren't that much different. They need routine more than they think they do. More they care to admit. Yes. <laughs> and they like to think that they want to do crazy out there things, but creating space for all of their activities across the week, sport, study, school, part-time jobs, and any other extracurricular things, it's, it's quite a puzzle and it can exhaust them and make them tired and grouchy and, and it can be overwhelming. So we found that it was a good idea to have it as a part of our communication with our teens was to bring them in on the planning. Obviously, they often chose what sport or what outside activities they wanted to do, but we set the limit on how many of those things happened and we managed looking at when our children were ready for part-time jobs and, you know, when they were a bit younger in their teens, we'd sometimes say, no, we don't think you're ready for that. And then even when they did start a job um, and were keen to maybe work extra shifts, just trying to help them manage their time and space mm. and understand the bigger picture rather than just, oh, wow, I'll get another shift and more money. But just seeing that in the context of, well, what assignments do you have on or you've got a big sport game coming up. Is this extra shift a good idea? So That's negotiation right. um, in that space was really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the thoughts here is also um, we've spoken about in previous parenting grit sessions about limiting tech time. Mm. Tech time as your t um, toddlers grow into teens becomes a real distraction and they've got their friendship groups on various social media platforms. And I think it's really important that we continue to encourage our kids to manage their time spent on technology and asking them to... Um, think about how they could uh, manage that for them for their own benefit to yeah. enable them to study, enable them to um, have the time to do the other things that they need to do in their week. Yeah. And the list we were talking about at the beginning of this episode, point four was they do not want our help. And so trying to structure the conversations around how time is spent in a way where there's a lot of input from your teens uh, rather than you sort of making your help obvious um, but nudging them towards an understanding of, of how those things all come to play. Yes. We also have spoken in previous podcasts about how important um, church and youth group are for our family and so building church and youth group into our routine as part of the things that are non-negotiable in the week, then we put other important things in place around that also helped with our teens developing, you know, a routine for themselves and helping them bring other ideas into that routine. Absolutely. Um, the other thing we've done with routine is allow our kids to use our family routine as a safe boundary for getting out of anything they don't particularly feel comfortable with in terms of invitations. As they've grown, some of their friends have chosen uh, partying and activities in ways that aren't um, in line with our family values. If our kids have felt like they don't want to go to something rather than expressing that, 
they have often said things like, oh, I can't, we've got a family thing on. And they don't really have to then expand on what the family thing is. They can just use our family routine as a nice, safe boundary. All right, on to sleep. Sleep is so wasted on the young. I think, you know, I sometimes wish I could have a daytime nap now and toddlers are pretty resistant at times to napping and bedtime. But it's super, super important. One of the trickiest transitions um, we found was when our toddlers were going from having two sleeps a day to one sleep a day. I wish there was like a, you know, a date, a cutoff date where that happened and it just was easy and like a switch going off, but it wasn't like that. We found that, you know, one day they might need two sleeps, the next day they might only need one. And so there was a season there where we had to have almost two patterns and just kind of guess is this a two sleep day or is this a one sleep day? It did make planning um, events around sleep pretty tricky, but they came through it and got to the point where they were having one big, beautiful afternoon sleep. So dropping sleeps can be tricky. And we also encouraged our kids, even when they were ready to have no sleeps, to continue to have a quiet or downtime in their room most days in the preschool years. And even in the early school years, we would have a Sunday nap as a family time. And whether they actually napped or just spent quiet time in their room or whether they thought they were just spending quiet time in their room and ended up napping, it was just a great downtime and a great mood shifter and a little reset in the week. It was a great thing for our family. Um, Sunday was afternoon was just that time just to decompress, chill out, you could sleep, you could do whatever you want, but it was quiet time in your own space, yeah. not bugging anyone else. And our kids have since told us stories about how they used to sneak into each other's rooms and stir each other up because mum and dad were um, sleeping. <laughs> but, um, but that's they okay. weren't noisy. They weren't noisy. And, and they, they weren't fighting. <laughs> and so for us that was still a win. And, uh, yeah, it was a really good part of our um, the, the, the family culture that we had. Yeah. So one thing we would really um, encourage everyone to do with sleep is to make bedtime fun. And we got to a point with one of our kids, he had a pacifier, a dummy, and we got to the point where he could only have it at bedtime in his bed. And so we'd say to him, bedtime, and he would giggle with glee, popping down the hall, ready to have that as part of his bedtime routine. But we always had bath time, stories, lots of fun, heading towards bed, prayer time, And it was a consistent routine. So with sleeping, with toddlers, we had two kind of catch cries and one was to be consistent and the other one was insistent. We insisted that they went to bed on time and that they stayed in their beds. And, you know, that was was a hard thing to carve out initially. But once we had set that as family culture with our first children, first child, um, the other children kind of came into line with that and realised, oh, it's really not worth calling out for drinks or trying to get up. We just get ourselves into trouble. And so, yeah, they got to the point where the bedtime routine was set, it was firm, but it was fun. And so, in general, they went to bed pretty well. I think, you know, the whole point of making bedtime fun. So, dads, um, be a part of that Mm. and make going to bed fun for your kids you know, the whole piggyback, um, horse rides, whatever you have to do. And just make that, you know, a nice little five, ten minute little segment where you're getting them into bed and mucking around with them, tickling them and just reading them stories and just having a bit of fun and then winding them, winding it down and, and, and uh, encouraging them to go to sleep. It's a, it's a good part of the night. Yeah, it is. And 
just as we've compared toddlers and teens the whole way through each night, it's not so different with teens. They still need a bed. They don't like the tickling. Oh, no, not so much. (laughs) But they still like a bedtime where there's a bit of interaction and they do need to have sleep even more than they perhaps like to admit. And um, the, the end goal for us with bedtime in the teens was that our teens would learn to self manage when bedtime was. So instead of having a set bedtime, they could now, you know, study or watch TV or whatever they wanted to do or needed to do prior to going to bed and manage that time. However, that's not something that happens overnight. We put a lot of work into that and spoke big picture to our kids like, okay, you want to stay up a little bit later tonight or you need to study for your test tonight. So let's have a look across the week and if you stay up a bit later tonight, is that going to affect things tomorrow or the next day? And try to help them to learn how to manage their energy across the week, not just on an individual night. Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, Teens, for all of their bravado and saying that they've got it all under control, they do very much still work moment to moment. And putting the big picture together in terms of a week or a month or or any sort of time period beyond the day can sometimes be a bit of a tricky thing to navigate. And so helping them put that all together so that they can manage their time um, so that they've got adequate time for sleeping mm. is a really uh, is a really good conversation to be having with your teens. Yeah, and they still sometimes need to be told that they need to have an early night. Um, our youngest recently had had a few later nights. He thought he was ready to have a, a later bedtime across the week, but then he started feeling consistently tired. So we mentioned having an earlier night one night, and then he learnt from that that feels better. And so he now has brought his own bedtime back to an earlier time. So they definitely need more sleep than they think. They need sleep-ins if possible, and sometimes it's good to allow those on Saturdays if they're not playing early sport or during holidays so that they can get that nice big sleep in. And, yeah, big emotions are often reset with a good sleep. That's right. I was going to say um, big emotions come with teenagers who are grappling with a lot of new things and finding their place in the world and so it comes with a lot of stress and it comes with a lot of emotions and we have found ourselves oftentimes saying them do you know what this is not a now problem this is not a now conversation because it's 10 30 at night and they're standing at the bottom of our bed trying (laughs) to work out where they're going in life and we said this is probably not a now conversation how about we pick this up in the morning go to bed go to sleep and let's reset in the morning and that's one of the most powerful conversations you can have with your teenagers because uh they sometimes can't see that. They'll, they'll mm. sit and want to stress it and continue yeah. stressing it into the evening. Yeah. So hopefully there's some encouraging thoughts around routines there. Yeah, I think that's been great. So thank you for joining us today on Parenting Grid. And we hope this episode really has encouraged you to embrace some of these thoughts Uh, even at this busy time of the year and talking about routines and sleep you know I'm sure um, at this time of the year we could probably all defer more to the sleep side of things than routine and routines can be a bit tricky but hopefully there's some helpful um, thoughts in all of that we look forward to next month when we'll be bringing you untangling the toddler and teen years in part two and we hope you can join us then